Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, Montreal has hired Marie-Philippe Poulin as part of their player development program. Joshua is so very close to making his professional debut with the Laval Rocket, and we're going to talk about Arturi Lekkinen and the uh, Colorado Avalanche advancing to the Stanley Cup Final. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 632 of Locked On Canadians. For all of you out there, thank you for making us your first listen or your first watch of the day. Even if we're not, we still appreciate you, whether you want to be appreciated or not. <laughs> I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Sava. Laura, uh, I got to be the one to help break news first thing in the morning today. Uh, it's not often we have great news at 8 a.m. on any given day of the week, to be quite honest, but... How excited are we right now with the (laughs) Montreal Canadiens announcing the hire of one of not just one of the greatest women's hockey players of all time. One of the greatest hockey players of all time. Marie-Philippe Poulin has joined as a player development consultant while she still continues her quest to ruin every American hockey fan's life every four years. I am, I am ecstatic because it was rumored. Wow. I believe a couple of months ago that Elliot Friedman mentioned they had approached Poulin about joining the franchise and there was nothing really in there. And we'll dive into the press conference in a second after our reactions here, but they, they did the thing, not just a thing like the thing they hired the Marie Philippe Poulin to join the Montreal Canadians. She was at a press conference with the CH on her jacket. And it's like, this is a thing that's happening. And it doesn't feel real. And I could not possibly be more excited about this. So I have to say programming note for our listeners going forward. We usually record our episodes the day before and we drop them just after midnight. And the Canadians have now taken to posting big news at eight o'clock every morning. So just to know that sometimes the episode will come out and then the news will not be talked about until the next morning like we are doing right now. But the thing that I find really funny is that it was shortly after 8 o'clock and I was up doing my morning skincare. Those of you who have been listening since the beginning, you know about the skincare, right? I, and uh, it was 8 o'clock. I was about to log into work. Um, and then I check my phone and it's Scott messaging me as if he's a child. Very, very excited. Laura, 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 Laura. They hired MPP. So I was like, what for a second? Uh, it's honestly... It's exciting news. Obviously, it is exciting news. We are reacting like this as fans, uh, as fans of Marie-Philippe Poulain, as fans of the Canadians. And also, there are a lot of things we can take away from this. So, I mean, for example, Scott just alluded to it. Elliot Friedman was talking about uh, how they approached her in the beginning. And then there was a sense, I believe, multiple people later reported, like, maybe through tweets or through thoughts, not really a full article, but how she wasn't ready to give up her playing career. But this is what... I think we can take away from this is the Montreal Canadiens organization identified what they wanted and they worked on it until they got it right. It's a few months later. It's quite a while later. 
they've managed to convince Marie-Philippe Poulain to join the organization, to have a significant role with development within the organization, but also give her what she wants in terms of continuing her playing career. She was asked in the press conference, does that mean another Olympic cycle? And she giggled and said yes. Obviously, she's out to win another gold medal, but in the meantime, I'm just getting, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this. Like, this is one of those things where this player is phenomenal, but not only that, like if you listen to the to the press conference or if you watch the Twitch that the Canadians had, um, just looking at her energy and the things that she's excited to bring to the organization, she's been such a great representative, not just of the Canadians team, but of women's hockey, you know, throughout all of the stuff that's been going on with trying to create a league when they won the cup in Montreal uh, before the league folded and all of that. She's very well spoken about issues that she cares about. And she's very passionate and she's very excited. And just watching her apply the same passion we're used to seeing, like to a storied organization and wanting to have a role in, in making them great. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't say enough about this. And I know it's a huge step and we're going to talk a little bit about that. It's a huge step, you know, for not just for the Canadians, but also for her because she's expressed interest now. In getting into coaching and this is a first step for her she can learn how to do the that aspect of the game while still training to be the best hockey player she can be preparing for tournaments preparing for the olympic and also the phw the oh my god the professor professional women's hockey players association um pwhpa yes that yes. um I can't pronounce anything on the show. I used to be bad at geography. Now I'm just bad at talking, which is not <laughs> great news if you have a podcast. Anyway, so, you know, she's part of the founding of that as well. And, and the Habs are going to support that as well as, as Jeff Molson said, they can't, it's too early to talk about specifics, but just watching greatness just be added to the team. You know, we're, we, we felt that excitement when we saw Martin St. Louis join, like it's greatness that's coming into the team. We weren't sure what to expect, but with, with MPP, the role is a lot clearer. The responsibilities seem to be a lot clearer. And, the you know, to me, it just, it's all positives. Yeah, and from what I understand from the press conference is Jeff Molson claims zero credit for any of this. He said that Gorton and Hughes identified uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin as someone they wanted in the organization, and they kept at it, and they kept at it, and they kept at it, and they got it done. They found something that worked for all parties. She can continue to train for the next Olympic cycle. She did say in that time, she wants to learn the coaching side of things too. She's probably going to play the next Olympic games, retire very likely on top or as close to the top as you can get. And then she's going to go into coaching, whether that be with the Canadians or in any league, there would be are so many teams that would benefit from having someone with her mind and her role as a player development consultant is she's working directly with the prospects. She's going to work with Adam Nicholas and Rob Ramage, who are all part of that player development bubble there. And for players like Joshua Waugh or Raphael Harvey Pinard or some of these other young guys who are coming up, God, Shane Wright or whomever they pick in the draft here is going to get to learn and work with Marie-Philippe Poulin, who reads the game at such an, an insanely high skilled level. And I don't want to hear that women's hockey this or it's not men's hockey. You don't win that many gold medals like she has in so many different categories without being the goddamn best at it. She processes the game and she knows the game. And she's gone through so many cycles with so many different teammates and she still just wins. She has a winner's mentality, just like Martin St. Louis is a winner's mentality. 
And I jokingly said it that give me a Marie-Philippe Poulin and Martin St. Louis bench. I'm not so much kidding about that because that's two people who don't want to lose and know what it takes to win. And they build on that. And it builds a winning culture within the team. The team's not going to be great next year, potentially, but they're building it on the way up. All these young players are going to come in and they're going to have that instinct there. I can't wait to see what she does. She's probably going to be one of the lead people at rookie camp and going into training camp before she goes into Olympic training. Uh, the PWHPA kicks off, I believe they said in September. Um, no, was... They said they weren't sure if it would be ready by September, but within the next year, it so will be ready. There will be time. She will obviously be around the team as much as she can be. And obviously in Montreal, Broussard, they have a ton of great facilities for her to also continue her training at. But if she wants to win, we know she's going to dedicate herself to that. It's an exciting time to be the Canadians right now because it seems like Hughes and Gorton now are just going down a checklist of things. They hired Adam Nicholas. They got this guy re-signed. They did this. They did this. I wouldn't be shocked if there's more news tomorrow and there's news the day after that. They're just going to ramp this right up into the draft here and we're going to roll. And uh, it, it's it's such an exciting time. And we could, we could gush over Marie-Philippe Poulin for seven episodes in a row here. We will not do that, at least not this week, maybe over the summer. We will have a week of poo for everybody. However, we're going to shift gears a little bit here. We are going to talk prospects because the Laval Rocket are back at Place Bell. They're practicing today, and there is a lot of good news if you are a fan of Joshua Wan wanted to see him in the lineup earlier, and that's all coming up next. But first, today's episode is brought to you by a Rock Auto, and there's so many makes and models of cars, it can be impossible to go to your local chain store Find the parts you're looking for and find them at an affordable price. It can be intimidating. It can be stressful. And I'm here to tell you that you can access rockauto.com from the comfort of your own home. You can do it sitting on your couch watching Netflix if you want to. Bring it up on your phone. You can save your time and money. Save 30, 50, even 100% compared to chain stores. And it's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And they have reliably low price for every customer. Whether you're a gearhead or just someone who needs to fix a taillight in their car, they have what you are looking for. And when you go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts that are available for your make and model of car, right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And before we jump into our next segment talking about Joshua and everything else, we do have a favor to ask. We need you to go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now. Take the survey to help us make Locked On Podcast, not just Locked On Canadians, Locked On Everything, better for you, the listener or the viewer. We want to hear from you because you are our support system. You're the lifeblood. And if you go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey, you're entered to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. All you got to do is take the survey. Help us to help you. Please, please, please. Joshua Waugh is very likely in the Laval Rocket lineup heading into game three, which is Wednesday night when you were listening to this uh, at 7 p.m. at Plas Bell. Uh, the Rocket had practiced today. Cedric Paquette returned after missing game two uh, with an undisclosed injury. But still missing from the lineup was Gabriel Bork, who left game two early. He's been banged up a little bit since the beginning of the Everyone on the Rockets been a little bit banged up since the Syracuse series. And as they were doing their line rushes, Joshua Waugh was wearing a red jersey. Blue is reserved for the healthy scratches. So the Riley Kidneys, the Devontae Smith-Pelly, J.C. Bodin, etc. 
Wah is in red, and he was on a line with Joel Teasdale and Cedric Paquette, likely their third line going into that game. And I got to be quite honest, uh, I'm very, very giddy at this because, one, there are two guys on that line that if anyone touches Joshua Wah, they will commit a felony against said player because Cedric Paquette takes no crap and Joel Teasdale is a a bear of a human being. He's not overly tall, but he's built like a tree stump, basically, and he has a very scary beard. So I'm excited. I was already excited. All the home games at Plas Bell have been incredible and the atmosphere is through the roof, and now you're going to get Joshua Wah into this lineup here. It, it, it's as fun as these playoffs are. They keep finding new ways to get exciting, and I know that the Rocket is like my little world here, but Laura, you've been following it along too with the games on RDS and everything else. It's exciting to see someone like this debut so late in the playoffs too and have a chance to help push this team over the edge towards the Calder Cup final. I absolutely think so. And the thing that I'm most excited to see is how he reacts to the situation, right? Because we ha- we've had multiple experts on. We've been watching him as well in the queue and all of that. And a lot of the knock on him has been like, you know, he's doing what he's doing in the queue, which is very difficult to do. The AHL is a much more physical league. And the Laval Rocket are a lot more physical just in general, uh, I find. And, you know, it's going to be a chance for him to kind of adjust to the game. Now, I'm very careful because I don't want to set too many expectations. I'm way overexcited. I'm, like, like Scott said, I'm very giddy right now about this, but I want to be careful about my own expectations because I don't want to be disappointed if he has an okay game, a bad game, he makes a mistake or two, because I think overall the Rocket have proven to us that as a team, they're really good at what they're doing. They're really good. They're, I, I don't find that they're overachieving all that much. You know, I, I think that maybe they might not have been as stellar as last year when the playoffs were canceled, but I think that they're good enough to do what they're doing. I think a lot of it is grit, determination, uh, you know, and, and all of that and physical play. But a lot of it as well is just as a team, they're playing well together. The strategies are good. Uh, the lineup decisions seem to be working out. The goaltending is great. There have been moments where the goaltending was really what kept them in the game. I think that this is going to be really fun for us, but I, I just very, I, I think it's going to be a huge test for him as well. Because if they see him in these few games, however many there are, whether they make the final or, or not, they see him in these games, they can give him an assignment for things to work on in the off season. And I, I do like you mentioned setting expectations is that um, Wah was not on power play one or two at practice today, which I, I understand because the power play wasn't bad against Springfield. It's one of those things that the bounce isn't there right now. And I do think that if it comes to it, they will put him out there. They will find a spot for him. Uh, JF who has been pretty good about kind of tweaking things in game as need be. They aren't always drastic, but they're little things. And I'm very interested to see here because the Thunderbirds lineup is very strong at the top half and a little bit slower in the back half. And I'm wondering if with them being able to match lines here because they have last change, if they pick and put him out there in an offensive role against a guy like James Neal, who currently cannot skate, cannot play defense, and have him just kind of run buck wild on that. Have the old guy chase around the young prospect and see how that goes. It's it, it's my expectation is I I would like to see him score goals, but it's the AHL playoffs. Goals are already hard to come by when you step up a league. And I think the expectation is just, you know, 
let's see what he's got here before we see, okay, what can he be doing better? I'm interested to see what he looks like playing a professional shift because his only pro experience is, I believe he played two or three NHL preseason games this year, which I don't know if that counts or not. This is, you know, a playoff game. It's not that he's not going to be up for it. I think if anyone, he's probably going to be one of the most motivated guys out there. They're giving him a good line. Like they're giving him Paquette and Teasdale who play pretty regular minutes here. It's not like they're saying you're going to play eight minutes on the fourth line every night here. It's, it's giddy. And for everyone asking about Riley Kidney again, like with Paquette healthy, they're not going to swap their centers. Lucas Condotta has been playing well. Uh, Nate Schnarr has been a really, he's still injured, which is why he's probably playing on the fourth line as their center right now, which is fine. They're not going to tweak things that are working yet. Yes. They lost game one against Springfield, but they played really well in one game too. I don't see any need for drastic changes. I don't consider this drastic because there's an injury in there. But um, if you are listening to this on that Wednesday, the game's at seven o'clock puck drop will be a little bit later. because they're going to have a gigantic ceremony. Like always, there is a fan festival again. I'm not sure if that's for game three or for games four and five uh, over the weekend. If you can find a ticket and there aren't many left on the resale market, they're starting at 58 bucks and going up more than that. Get to a game. It's it's money well spent. Laura can attest to this. She went to the old time game. It's it's a riot. Uh, and Plus Bell is always rocking and it's going to continue to do that. And again, we are still talking the playoffs and Tuesday night, Monday night going into Tuesday. I am very off on my days here a little bit. The Colorado Avalanche punched their ticket to the Stanley Cup final on the back of our Turi Lekkonen's overtime game winning goal. Where have we heard that before? Laura and I are going to discuss our favorite Finnish son, who is no longer with the team, the trade that sent him to Colorado, and what if the Oilers had an actual NHL goalie in that series? And that's all coming up next. But first, one of our other sponsors today is BetOnline.net, who are your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. If you go to BetOnline.net, you can get all the latest developments and news and odds for everything from the NBA Finals to the NHL Finals, Major League Baseball, any boxing, MMA, NFL futures, all of that is available at Bet Online. And they have all your up to date uh, wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. So watching the game last night in bed uh, because it was late and I'm tired because that is what I do now that I am past 30. Uh, Colorado. Uh, was down 3-1, and then the Oilers oilered hard, or should I say Mike Smith oilered hard. The Oilers tied it, forced overtime, and then lost within a couple of minutes because Arturi Lekkanen has sent a team to the Stanley Cup final for the second consecutive year in the Western Conference. And I, I look at this, and I'm so happy for him. He had such an incredible playoff run so far. And I look at this trade because I see a lot of Habs fans kind of discussing it today going, well, should they have traded him? And the answer is yes, because you got, you needed, you got a defensive player, you got more picks in that. And I think it's a trade where both teams got what they needed. I would love to see Arturi Lekkanen back in Montreal as soon as possible. I think he's such a versatile piece that he could be really helpful, especially for Martin St. Louis, who could use him all over the lineup. And we haven't seen quite enough of Justin Barron yet to make a decision, but man, it, 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 it does my heart good to see uh, 
to see Lekkonen thriving because out of all the deadline pieces, Kulak and Lekkonen made a conference final. Ben Chirot was eliminated in round two. You know, it was the uh, it was the almost underappreciated guys who have made the most impact so far. Absolutely. I think the thing with the Montreal Canadiens was that they're not gearing toward the Stanley Cup run, right? And Arturi Lekkonen has proven now two years in a row that he is the proverbial, the cliche that you hear, those are the players you win with. That's what Arturi Lekkonen is. And I think that's very true. I think, you know, something that Nathan McKinnon himself said, he of, you know, weird, sometimes really weird quotes and sometimes really poignant ones said that I would trade uh, 10 first rounders for him now if I could. Um, And that, you know, the value of players like that cannot be discounted. Now, I know that he will be missed in Montreal. And and to be quite frank, if he wins a cup in in Colorado, he might well just want to re-sign there, right? Like, he's a player that is not that expensive um, over, you know, for for a team that needs to stay under the cap if they want to succeed multiple years in a row. Um, And, you know, Montreal is in a rebuild and he's tasted now that that long playoff run and that success or maybe that success uh, at that point, he might not want to come back to Montreal. I think the goal for Montreal, though, is to be able to have scouting analytics and drafting experts in place to identify Arturi Lekkonen's in general. He was a second rounder. I believe he went, was it 55th overall? Something like that? I think he was a third round pick. I might be... Because I believe he was in the same draft that second round uh, 50. Wow. Second round 55th overall 2013. (laughs) That was the Michael McCarron draft year where they picked Michael McCarron. And I went, that guy's big. And they picked Zach Fucali and they picked Jacob De La Rose. And then Arturi Lekkonen is the, uh, is the gem of that draft class for the Montreal Canadiens. And it, speaking of identifying people like players like him, I look at someone like Yessi Pugliarvi who, the Oilers media seems intent on just getting rid of for reasons. I don't know. I do not know why they don't have the cap space to really resign him. So I'm like, I would like a Yessi Pugliarvi who played really well with Connor McDavid. Doesn't always have to play on that top line there, but provides a lot in terms of expected goals and analytics and all that other fancy stats stuff that doesn't always show up on the score sheet. I would like someone like that. I know it's a pipe dream uh, unless the Oilers go absolutely crazy this offseason, which they very well might. They've been known to do that, though. And that's the thing is that, like, they have have a lot of players right now that are, like, taking up a lot of cap space for no reason. This has now been disappointing. They really need to start winning for Connor McDavid. I just want to go back real quick to the Arturi Lekkinen thing. Assuming that, you know, Puyarvi isn't actually on the market, uh, the Canadians need to work on that later part of the draft right like they have been successful in the past but now trevor timmons is no longer there so like that to me is where your meat is your first rounder is a first rounder and then there's like positive you know the the higher you go in that first round the more likely it is that your player will play in the nhl but then that second rounder is where you get those values that turn out to be really valuable pieces and i think that the importance of the second round cannot be discounted because there's some teams that do it well and there's some teams that do it badly. And for me, like, you know, just the, like PK Subban was a second rounder, right? Um, uh, wasn't Max Pacioretty a second rounder or was he late? First he was round? a very late first round. He was round, like the Ryan end McDonough, of the first round. Yeah, that right. was 20, 2027, Jesus. Because uh, that was McDonough, Pacioretty, Subban in a row, right, right. which is just 
It, exactly. So they, they like that's the value that they need to identify. So for me, it's not a disaster if Arturi Lekkonen doesn't come back. It's a disaster if the Canadians lose their ability to identify players like that in the draft. Yes. And to kind of shift gears a little bit on this to look at the other side of things, you mentioned the Oilers got a win sooner for Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl was playing on like a third of a functioning body and put up, what, four points in that game? Connor McDavid was a wizard. He scored more points going into the Western Conference Finals than several of the uh, last few Conn Smythe winners. Like, you, this team is so flawed across the board that, like, Duncan Keith was unnecessary. Mike Smith, for two years, he has another year next year, was unnecessary. Darnell Nurse was playing through a torn hip flexor, which not great because they didn't have defensive depth behind that. But at the same time, Flawed as they are, the Oilers were so talented enough that if it wasn't for Mike Smith, they probably could have won this series. And it it's always mean to blame the goalie, but I look at this series and I go, if they have an actual NHL quality goaltender in this series, it's all over. Like they might just get through on the sheer strength of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl being that good, but Mike Smith just could not do his job. He melted down, and when he gets rattled, it's it's all over. Like, he lets in one bad goal, and it's just you have nothing because then he gets aggressive. He starts to play with emotion. It's the opposite of Carey Price. When Carey Price gets frustrated, you see him kind of, you know, clamp down, and everything is very, you know. stone cold is what he Yeah, <laughs> it's, everything is one and done. With Mike Smith, it's just – it, it, you don't know what you're going to get. You're sticking your hand into a magic hat. You might pull out a rabbit. You might pull out a flesh-eating bacteria. You don't know. It's Mike Smith. He might turn out <laughs> a Vesna performance, or he might, you know, let in six goals on seven shots. It's, And they're going back to him next year because they don't have money for another goalie right now. Miko Koskinen will be gone, who somehow was better this year. Not great. Either their plan is going to be to ride Stuart Skinner next year and Mike Smith's going to be the 1B or backup or whatever, or they're going to think 41-year-old Mike Smith is the answer in net, and he's not. You have to do something, and we talk about pieces who are available likely going into the deadline. You can't tell me that the Oilers looked at what they had and went, no, nah, we don't need Jake Allen. Like They did, apparently. Yeah, and I, I mean, don't they want- talked to the Habs. They got a player from the Habs. And that's the thing is, it's like, I don't want to trade Jake Allen, but I look at this and I go, if they had Jake Allen in that series, they're probably at least making it to seven games and making a series out of it. it as flawed as Allen is as, as a player, he's better than Mike Smith. Not a high bar, but it, it's the truth. And it, it feels like such a shame that we're wasting the prime of both McDavid and Dreisaitl, who were matching records set by Gretzky and Lemieux during these playoffs. That's silly. It's 2022 and they're breaking like 40 year old records. Right. And this is the thing is that like in today's NHL, like there's no one player that can win you games there. But there's always one player that can lose you games. And that player's always the goalie. This is the thing is that, yes, it is a team game and everything like that. And you can have the best stars in the world. But if you don't stack up depth behind them, you're not going to be able to do anything. I mean, I'm just I'm going back a couple years to the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? They had Crosby and Malkin. And then like every year they found nobodies to join them. But like all of those nobodies 
were good players, right? Like they stacked them up with cheap, good depth and the Oilers need to do that and they're not doing that. And I just, it, like, it, it, it's really upsetting to me because like who among us cannot relate to Mike Smith and get really mad and then ruin the rest of your workday? The problem with Mike Smith's workday is that it is a hockey game and he has 49 more minutes to get it together and he never does. And that's that's the problem is that like, and he's something, he's he's a goaltender that I've honestly not liked for a long time, uh, dating back to his Arizona days, simply because, and again, I don't know him as a person, I just know as a goaltender, he would lose his mind, yes, and he would get really angry. He would like, he would get really angry and start yapping at Canadians players. And then I realized that maybe looking back, maybe he wasn't yapping at the Canadians players. Maybe he was yelling at his defenseman, which is something that he seems to like to do. But either way, I really did not like how he lost his mind every single time. And it's not just because, you know, I think goaltenders kind of need need to be able to keep their cool in order to, to win. But just it's simply just it would screw up the rhythm of the game. It would result in some sort of weird penalty for the Canadians. The game would all go wrong. It would break up like I just I find that he as much success as he's had, which is, again, I think debatable based on who we get to see in this market. Generally, we are pretty spoiled. And for, you know, for his longevity in the NHL, like there's just something there where he needs to be able to not lose his mind completely at one tiny little setback. And I know I'm saying this on a day where I've been arguing with YouTubers all day, not YouTubers, YouTube commenters all day. Um, but it's generally, you got to stay calm. If you're going to play yeah. goaltender, I'm not a goaltender. I'm a podcaster. I can, I can be a little bit unhinged. I think. As we've said on this show, Mike Smith has never let in a goal. That was his fault. Uh, except for all of them. Um, that's actually going to wrap up our show here though. We will be back uh, tomorrow with another episode after game three uh, of the rocket and Springfield. So we will have our recap on that. plenty more coming up this week. We will have a special guest for the mailbag for the Friday episode. So if you want to start sending those questions in, you can send them to at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. And when you're done with us, check out Lockdown NHL. Get all the Stanley Cup updates, all the draft updates, all the hirings, firings, and everything else going around the NHL. And we will see you all next time.